You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. All right, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. We'll be looking at 16 through 34 this morning. This morning we're going to finish up a series of messages called Foundations. This idea of worldviews and different things that we experience in this life, but also the different pillars, if you will, of our worldview, of a Christian worldview and understanding the Bible. And so we've looked at that. And you say, well, why, why have we spent this many weeks on this? Well, on any given day, as you're out and about, you're at the doctor's office, the grocery store, school, work, you will inevitably encounter people that are different than you, sometimes different in Small ways, sometimes in very different ways. You may be at the doctor's office waiting with someone of a different ethnicity than you. You may go to the store and you will hear and encounter different languages. Kids at school, you may encounter other kids that have different religions. It's inevitable in our world today that you are going to encounter that. There's great diversity. And that's one thing. I love that. I love learning about different cultures and different, and different people and different backgrounds. It's something I enjoy. But there is also sometimes the question that we ask is, how do we, how do we reach people that may not be Christian? But they have very different backgrounds than us. Like how do, we, how do we minister to people that are very different sometimes than ourselves? They see the world differently. Have you ever been talking to someone that you know that's not a Christian and they see the world just radically different than you do? Of course you have. I, you, you're just talking about something very minor, and they just see it radically different. And you think, well, how do, I, how do I reach that person? And so one of the things we've attempted to do is show what are some of the big things that we believe so that as we talk to people, we can understand where they're coming from and how we can help them see where we're coming from. And so we've looked at different pillars, if you will. So if we have that picture, we'll look at some of those. We've seen creation of the world and mankind. God's created everything. That is a part of our worldview. We believe that God has made and created everything. You're not an accident. You're not just a random collection of atoms or matter. You are created by God. All this world is created by God. And you are too. So God cares about you and loves you. 
But then we also saw that we have, there was a fall. There is a sin nature in each and every one of us. The evil in this world is due to the sin nature in people. Right? All the terrible things that we see, guess what? Most of them we can point to and show how sin has been a part of that. Even the natural disasters that we see, guess what? When the fall happened, even the earth, even the earth has fallen and is not at its perfect state. And so we see the fall. And so our worldview helps us to see it, why does evil exist? We know why evil exists. So we see that. Redemption. We know that Jesus Christ has come and given his life for you and I. And we can't earn it. We cannot earn salvation. He has died on a cross for us. And so this worldview teaches us that our salvation, our deliverance from sin is not due to human effort. It's not due to works. And so this worldview helps us to understand that our works are not in order to earn salvation. They're in response to what God has done. There are many worldviews that teach that you have to earn your way to heaven. You have to work really hard and you have to do the right thing. And if you don't do the exact right thing, then you won't go to heaven. That's a worldview that issue that matters. Then we saw mission. God has given us a mission. We exist here on this earth, first to glorify God, but we're left on this earth, I believe, in order to fulfill the mission and purpose He's given us, which is to share the message of Christ. You have a purpose. If you're still here, you exist. If you're breathing, God's given you a purpose. And so our purpose is to share the message of Christ. And then last week we saw eternity. There are many people that don't believe that there exists anything past this life. There are many people that believe that once you die, it's just over. But as believers, we believe and know that there is life beyond this life. That this is not all that there is. There is either eternal life. Or eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But nonetheless, there is existence beyond this life. And what, why that matters is that what we do and believe in this life matters for eternity, right? What we do matters. And so you can't just say, well, I'm going to do whatever I like and whatever pleases me. Because it doesn't matter. No, it matters very much what you do. So this worldview teaches us that, hey, we, we're going to exist beyond this life. So we need to make sure that we know what we believe and understand. And so all these issues are at play here. And this morning in Acts chapter 17, I want us to see the application, if you will, of many of these worldview issues. The Apostle Paul is going to be in a place where these worldview issues, they are going to come together 
And how does he respond? How does Paul respond to these different issues? How does Paul respond to a variety of beliefs and worldviews? So let us read God's Word together. Acts 17, starting at 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took and took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God. And perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we had live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said. For we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. An image formed by the art. And imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent, because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed. Among them were also were Dionysus, an Arab, the Arab, Arabic woman, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Let us pray. 
Father, may you give us wisdom and understanding. Lord, as we seek to reach a very diverse world. So help us, guide us, and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul arrives in Athens. And he does what everybody does when they arrive in a new place. He went sightseeing. He's walking around the city and he's looking and he's taking it all in. It reminds me that when Jen and I moved to Texas in 2009, 14 years ago, July of 2009. Do you know one of the first places that we went as a tourist? Any ideas? The stockyards. The first place we went, I think. It might have been the very first place we went. We went to the stockyards. Because the stockyards seemed to be very Texan, right? It's the tourist place. But when you go, if you're from Texas, you just won't understand this. But when you go to the stockyards for a first time and you're a foreigner... And you come here and you have from a foreign land, Virginia. It's wild. I mean, it, you, it's a lot. It's a whole lot to take in. There's cowboy stuff and there's a, a shootout in the street and the cows are coming down the way. And, I mean, it's, it's a lot to take in. You're like, this is, this is different. And we don't have that in Virginia. Yeah, we have cowboy boots and cowboy hats people wear, but not... Not like Fort Worth. <laughs> and it's a lot. You're, you're just looking at it. You're taking it in. I mean, it, it's just sort of overwhelming, right? You're in a new place. It's new things. Like very different. Foreign. And Paul is walking around. He's looking at these, all these different things. And it's very foreign to him. In Athens at this time, it, I mean, it was still Athens. It wasn't as prominent as it had been in hundreds of years before, but it was still Athens. Corinth had kind of taken its place as the political capital. But Athens, I mean, as a young person growing up, Paul knew about Athens. I mean, Athens was this center of literature and philosophy. The Greek gods were there. All this architecture. I mean, even today, if you were to go to Athens, you'd still see much of Athens. Paul's there and he's looking. He's looking around. He's seeing all this. But Paul, again, he's in a very strange place. Different people. Different customs. But Paul had a very particular reaction. He said his spirit was provoked. His spirit was provoked. That word is really even a little deeper than that. His, his spirit was stirred up. It was disturbed. It's actually an English word that comes from that Greek word. And that English word is a paroxysm. And that word is, means a sudden attack 
or violent expression of a particular emotion or activity. So in here, I mean, something deep. I mean, in Paul, he's looking around. He, he probably sees statues of Zeus, Apollos, all these gods. In fact, there's one famous thing that you probably heard that one ancient writer said. He said, it was easier to find a god in Athens than a man. There are so many gods, so many depictions, and Paul is deeply disturbed. He's provoked. I mean, his spirit within him is, 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 is violently attacked, it feels like. I mean, he sees all these gods and he thinks, no, 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 no. This is not, this is not good. This is not right. Again, these, these worldview issues now are crashing down on Paul, and he's, he's seeing a, a people with a very vastly different worldview, beliefs. And how does Paul respond? Because one of the things I want us to see that Paul responds in a way that will show him his deep concern for people, but he does so in a very respectful way. Paul is going to reach them in a way that will help us as we interact. Do you remember at the very beginning I said, listen, this, this, world, this worldview study is not meant for us to just shake our heads and say, look how bad the world is and just got angry and upset. No, the purpose of it is to help us understand so that we can reach people in a way that's good. Because just going around wagging your fingers at people and say, hey, what you believe is wrong and dumb. You shouldn't believe that. People aren't won over by that, are they? No, you reach them where they are. And you help them to see the truth of God's word. It's exactly what Paul does. And so Paul, he's, he's provoked. So he does what he always did. He, he went first to the synagogues. And he's there into the religious environment where the devout persons were. And then he goes into the marketplace, the cafes of our society, if you will, the restaurants, the entertainment places. He's out in the marketplace with, with people. And he's talking to people. Anybody says, with those who happen to be there. He's just talking to people. He's engaging with people. And then some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were also there. All right. One thing I want you to see as we go along, I want you to see the worldview things that are about to pop up. Mark them. Look at them. I want you to see it. It's important. Here's a big worldview thing that just popped up in this passage. He mentions two philosophical traditions, the Epicureans and the Stoics, two different worldview understandings. The Epicureans were materialist or naturalist, we've talked about. Remember that? That everything that you see is just about the matter. It's all down to matter and nature and atoms. Oh, oh, the real things that are really real are the nature would be a part of that. It comes down to 
nature. But then the Stoics, they were more, many of them were more pantheist, meaning that God is in everything. The divine is in everything. And so they would believe in a very different way. You have the naturalist, then you have the pantheist. And so here we see these different traditions. They were coming together, and Athens would have all sorts of different worldviews and philosophies. And so he begins to talk with them, and he's discussing these things. And some said, what is this babbler saying? What is this guy talking about? Others said, he's a preacher of foreign divinities. This is a, he's talking about a new God that we've never heard of before. Because he was preaching Jesus in the resurrection. Now, they knew Judaism, but they didn't know this Jesus. Who is this? There's a new God. They're interested. These were interested people. These people were very interested in something new. You'll see that later. It says, who is this? We want to know. So they went and they brought him to the Areopagus, which at one time was a place of a judicial place. But now at this point, it was probably just a place where some of the elite, they gathered, gathered and talked about different things. Think of the university here. Think of place where... People talk about and think and discuss big ideas. So Paul, he, they take him and they say, tell us, what is this that you're teaching? What is this that you're talking about? For you bring strange things. We wish to know what these things mean. And listen, now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing Something new. So one of the things that we have to ask ourselves is if we want to reach people, you have to go where people are. Right? Like if you just stay secluded, you're not going to meet people. And so what Paul's doing is going to a place where people gather. And so one of the things that we need to do as believers is we go where people are. Now, I believe that Paul here, he's going to do things that, again, maybe not everybody can do and has the ability to do. But some people, you might be able to reach people like Paul did in the marketplace. Now, others... Might be able to meet people in the higher up places, the university, the places where you think and discuss ideas. As Christians, we need all types of people. But you have to go where people are. Where people are thinking and discussing. And do you know where a new place is where people are discussing new things and new ideas? Do you want to know where probably one of the Preeminent places where especially younger generations are? Online. Online. You get on many of these different sort of social media platforms, and sometimes you think they're just filled with silly, dumb, crazy things people are doing, and they are. 
at least that. But do you know how much discussion takes place of big things? The Bible? Religion? Philosophy? This is a new place where people are gathering. And so we need people that are willing to go in, step into those worldview places, and speak the truth of God's Word. We don't withdraw, we go forward. And so that's one of the things that Paul's going to help us to see here. But I also want you to see how Paul is going to reach them, how he's going to do that. He says, listen, I think that you're very religious people. He sees all their gods, the little g-gods. But he says, listen, as I was walking by, and I was just looking around, and when I was looking, I saw that not only did you have all these gods, but you even had an altar with an inscription that said to the unknown God. He says, what therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. So Paul is taking something from their worldview, their understanding. He's going to take something that they know something about, and he's going to take that and build a bridge to the gospel. They're going to say, oh, yeah, we, yeah, we know what you're talking about. Yeah, there's an altar to an unknown God. You see, in that culture, they would be so concerned about offending maybe a God that they didn't even know about. We don't want to offend any unknown God, so we're going to build even an altar to the gods we don't know. So Paul says, this God that you don't know, I know. So he's building a bridge. And so one of the things we have to be very aware of, we need to think through, how do we build bridges? How do we build bridges with people that don't believe like we do? Not walls, bridges. How do we help people to see and understand? How, how do we make connections with people? How do we try to understand a little bit? And so Paul's saying, listen, let me tell you something. I know about this God. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it. Creation, remember that pillar? Paul's now addressing creation. He said, listen, this God, he created everything. And he made it. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples made by human hands. This, this guy said, so he hits the first thing. Creation, he said, listen, there's a God who made everything. God created it and made it. You don't make him, he made you. He made this earth. So Paul hits that creation. That's something we have to ensure people of. We're not collections of atoms. This is not just evolved from billions of years. God has made the world and everything in it. And then he's going to get to that second worldview idea. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. God made you. Do you see what Paul's doing here? Do you see his strategy? Do you see the bridge? 
Hey, this God you don't know, I know him, and he made everything, and he made you. He made you. And he made you, and that one man, from one man, every nation of mankind. But, what type of God is this? Because they might say, oh, yeah, there's a God who made everything, but he's just aloof, he's just off doing his own thing. Remember, the Greek gods were just sort of, oh, they're just out there. They're doing their own thing. But he says, no, no, this God is different. He's having determined, allowed, allowed periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place. This God has, he's even determined these things. He's involved. He didn't just make things and go away. God, God knows even the, the boundaries, the allotted periods. He knows. This God made everything, made you, and he knows you. And he said perhaps, that, or that they should seek God, and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. He says, listen, God has made people so that they would seek God. To seek Him and to find Him, find their way. And then Paul does another important thing. Remember, he's building bridges. He's taking something people know, and he's helping them to apply it to biblical truth. Something we should all practice. Then he's going to take something else that they know. He's going to take some of their literature of the day. They're poets, poets that aren't Christian, but he's going to try to take something of the day. So imagine a movie. I mean, that's one of the ways that we can think about it. Imagine a movie and taking a theme of a movie. Maybe it isn't a Christian movie, but then applying it to Scripture. So he says, listen, your poets, they even say, in Him, we live and move and have our being. And even some of your poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. Now these poets are not talking about the Christian God. But Paul says, listen, even your poets understand something. So he's going to take what they say, and then he's going to apply it in to the God of the Bible. He's going to say, you're right. We do live and move and have our being in God. For we are indeed His offspring. You're right. But there's one God. Not multiple gods. There's one God. There's one Creator God who's made everything. And you're right. In Him we live and move and have our being. It says, listen. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. An image formed by the art and imagination of man. He says, listen, God made you, you don't make him. We don't make God in our image. God makes us in his image. So here's another worldview thing. We talked about creation. Now we're going to see the fall or sin. 
the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. Repentance implies sin. He's saying, listen, all people everywhere, they have sinned, they have fallen short of God, they have done the wrong thing. And he says, because of that, people need to repent, people need to turn. And so when we are sharing the message of Jesus, we can never leave out the need for repentance. We can never leave out the sinfulness of people. We don't always like talking about it. We like to skip it, but we can't. Paul does it. But he does so in a way that, again, he's woven it in there. He didn't just wag his fingers and said, you idolaters, y'all are terrible people. He's woven it in there in a way where, again, it makes sense. He's saying, listen, this time of ignorance is over. But people have to repent. I believe implied in there is repent, repent of idolatry. We need to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. Eternity, remember that worldview? Eternity. This judgment is going to happen beyond this life. He's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. There may be a human element to that within human time, but I believe also it implies that, again, there's going to be eternity. You would judge the world, meaning, again, you judge the world, but that's implying that there's, again, a punishment that would take place after this life, eternity. It says, listen, there's something beyond. There's a judgment. By a man whom he appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising from the dead. The resurrection. Redemption. Now, Paul didn't talk about all elements of the gospel, but remember, this isn't Paul's only conversation there. But in there, when he's talking about the resurrection, it's redemption. Again, that you and I can be saved from our sin through Jesus Christ. And Paul addresses that. Do you see how he's addressed these worldview issues? And what happens? Some mocked. Some laughed at him. You're crazy. It's crazy town. Some will laugh at us. Some will say, oh, those Christians, they're crazy. Can't believe them. But some joined and believed. You see, our Our goal is that we would proclaim and that God would work in the hearts and minds of people that we proclaim the message to. God does the saving, not us. And so our success is not in whether people believe or don't believe. Our success is in our faithfulness to proclaim. You see, in that, in this whole idea, is mission. Remember that other worldview thing? The world reason that Paul is doing all this is because God's given him a mission. He saved him. 
God has put you here to help reach people that are vastly different than yourself. Now sometimes, unfortunately, we, we tend to shy away from people that are different. Sometimes we like to hang out with people that are in our own, own comfort zone. People that look like us, talk like us, believe like us. Do the things we like to do. There's nothing wrong with, again, being with people you enjoy. But how are we going to reach people if we only stay with those that are like us? I was just talking to a a dad the other day, and he's from a different country, different religion, a dad of one of our kids on a soccer team. And my prayer is through, again, obviously, and listen, when you're dealing with some of these deep worldview issues, don't ever think that you're going to just talk to someone on day one and they're going to believe and become Christians. I mean, it could happen. God can do it. But more likely, what's going to happen is you're going to have to build friendships with people. You're going to have to build relationships and connections And the more you do that, the more opportunities you'll have to share. So my prayer is, as as I get to know this dad, that we can have more opportunities. Again, we have to put ourselves in positions to interact and engage. But one thing that we do is we always keep the gospel in our minds. How can I build a bridge? How can I make connections? How can I, how can I weave these things into our conversations? Again, we can be creative in how we talk about what Christ has done for us. You don't always have to pause the conversation. Oh, okay, I've got five points to share with you. No, you weave it in. You talk about what Jesus has done in your life. You talk about the things that have happened. And as you do that, you'll make an impact. And so as we think about foundations, I want you to keep considering and learning and growing and understanding what we believe. What we believe about God. And as you do, you go reach people with the gospel. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, Lord, all that you've done in us. Lord, we thank you for the message of Jesus and his shed blood on the cross. Father, I pray that if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ, that this morning that they would believe and trust in him. But Lord, for others of us, I pray that you would, Lord, at least open our hearts to how can we reach people? How can we, Lord, how can we reach people that may be different than ourselves? Different beliefs, backgrounds. Lord, help us to be creative. Help us to be aware. But Lord, above all, Put a deep compassion and care in our hearts. 
Lord, help us to care for people. Love them. Help us to love people. Because, Lord, as we love others, I know that we will desire to see them come to faith in Christ. So, Lord, help us. Help us to understand more about our faith. Help us to understand more about what we believe. And help us to grow and lead others to faith in Christ. Lord, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.